Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Ninth State Sports Show. Uh, this is Joe Marcellino with you once again. Uh, and joining me this week again is uh, Derry Field Boys Lacrosse Head Coach Chris Hetler. Next, going to spend the next half hour or so uh, chatting about what's been going on over the last week in the world of uh, boys lacrosse in the Granite State here. Uh, Coach, thanks again for joining me. Joe, thanks for having me back. It's yeah. great, to, great to be back here. Yeah, I know. We, we kind of <laughs> rushed around to get here uh, this week. Uh, as you guys you know, just wrapped up a, uh, a game earlier today against Hollis Brookline. Uh, that I uh, had a chance to come up and see first time I got to see both actually both teams this year um, you know which was uh, something I've been meaning to do. actually I <laughs> thinking about it I think that was the first non division one game that I've, I've, I've seen this year which um, not typically something I like to do but uh, you know it was good to get out and see you guys and you know just uh, what did you you know you guys are now you won that 14-1. Yep. Uh, you guys are off to 8-0, 8 8-0 start. Yep. Um, again, we, like we talked last week, you had that. This is that stretch that was going to be kind of tough for you guys. You, you're making it look a lot easier than, <laughs> than maybe it is. Uh, beat Portsmouth on Saturday. What 10-1? 10-1. Um, you know, just how do you feel like your guys are are at this point in the year? Yeah, feeling feeling really good about where the way the guys are playing. Um, we're cycling a lot of guys through the lineup. Um, guys are stepping up. Guys that I didn't necessarily expect in the beginning of the season. Um, we've got some seniors, uh, Nick LeClaire playing LSM, Sam Smiley playing close defense that are doing a really, really good job for us. Uh, Chris Benson as a, as a captain down on close defense. You know, I think anybody who looked at our team this year kind of said, well, yeah, I think they're going to score goals this year, but what's their defense going to be like? You know, are guys going to be able to step up? And um, those guys are just doing an incredible job. Alex Neville is a first-year starter as a sophomore. Uh, Jacob Schulten as a freshman is coming in and giving us solid minutes. And and Avery Truex, our goalie, has been really, really solid. Um, so very impressed with the job they've been doing on, on close defense uh, against you know a talented Portsmouth team and a very good Hollis team. Um, weather dependent, we play Kennet on Friday, but with an inch of rain, you never know if that one's going to get in. And um, and then we got the big one. We got it. We got our charity game on Saturday at St. A's versus Wyndham. And and I know those guys are going to be ready. They've been they've had that one circled on their calendar for a while. Um, so we're excited. Yeah, it should be it should be a great match. You you mentioned that one. Tell tell us again. Uh, remind those that maybe forgot. What is the what are you guys doing on Saturday? Yeah, absolutely. Really great event. Um, so we're playing at St. A's and we're playing to raise money for uh, 603 Lacs and Manchester Pal, the Manchester Pal Youth Lacrosse Program. Um, all ticket proceeds and um, ad donations, things like that, are all going to go towards uh, funding kids' equipment, getting kids uh, in the sport helping uh, inner city Manchester and surrounding rural areas that, you know, traditionally may struggle to, to get kids out to play. And so uh, Russ Moyer of 603 Lacs and in conjunction with uh, Manchester Pell are going to take the proceeds and, and buy helmets and sticks and gloves and just anything to get kids out playing. Um, so we're, we're really excited that we're going to make it happen. We already have over $3,000 in ad revenue, uh, a lot of tickets sold. So we're hoping, you know, anywhere from five to $10,000 to bring in this weekend. So a re really fun event. And, it, and it's a great matchup there, too, with Wyndham, who, you know, has, uh, I think, turned it on in the last couple of weeks. We talked about that win against Londonderry last week. Yep. Um, their one loss coming against Hollis Brookline uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, you look at, um, and, and I know, I maybe, maybe it's, I don't know how many kids are left from them from two years ago. Or how, you know, you guys don't have that many. But I know last year's team was kind of itching to get back and get at them because that was, one of the what two games that you lost yep. two years ago yep so you know I, I think it's a big game for both teams uh, ironically enough they have a very good goalie uh, in Bassey 
but they heard the goalie that actually beat us that night is now playing LSM for them um, and they've got they just they seem to always have a lot of athletes that you know Jason says hey I need an LSM right now right and then all of a sudden the goalie becomes the LSM and he's doing a great job um, he's got a he's got a, a kid Micah Sunman who's played LSM played attack last year and now is playing midfield for him um, very good uh, football player too. Very some, good some football football player. fans will recognize that yep. name. Probably a couple other names I would imagine. Yep. For them. And uh, well, one kid, one kid who came back, Jared Heath, is obviously helping them a lot. Huge threat, great, great offensive threat. Um, can shoot the ball from anywhere on the field. We're gonna have to be aware of him. Uh, the Russ brothers. Um, the younger one, I believe, is down on attack, and the older one is playing midfield for him. Good combination. Obviously, good chemistry when you got two brothers. Right. You know that kind of connection there. Um, uh, Tyler Folsom, big lefty attackman for them. Uh, he's going to be a matchup, you know, that we're going to have to pay attention to and, and make sure we take good angles against him. Um, and then their defense, you know, I watched their defense earlier this year. They're playing great man-to-man -man defense. They they body up against guys, big physical football players. So our guys are going to have their work cut out for them this weekend. You know, talking about defense, and I want to go back for a second to the game today. Um, you mentioned some names, and and I thought that was where you guys really. Um, shine today was defensively. Yeah, 14 goals. You know, you guys, it, they came, it almost came like they, they were just the flow of the game, the result of yep. what you guys were doing. Um, but defensively, and you mentioned the name Alex Neville, I thought he, he really stood out to me today um, Even and, and had one of those goals uh, on kind of a broken down transition play. Yeah. Um, you know, how, how has he, and you mentioned he's kind of stepped in this year, you know, talk a little bit more about him and, and, and what he's kind of added to you guys on a, we're on a in a position where you guys needed somebody to step up. Absolutely. You know, Alex was a really patient, hard worker um, for a long time. He was a little bit undersized, had to pay his dues um, and, you know, didn't complain about it. Put it, put it, didn't just put his head down, went to work and um, really improved his, his foot, uh, foot speed. He's always had great stick skills. And that that's what really, I think, showed today when the ball went on the ground, he got it up moved it in transition got out on got out on clears and and started transition for us yeah and he had uh he had at least a goal and i think he might he had an assist too at the end of the game um you know it's funny we play indoor and a lot of times he'll grab a short stick and, and come down and play on offense with us he's just uh his lacrosse iq is really high um he reminds me a lot of uh one of our seniors last year joe costa who was sort of an offensive threat for us as well like you know we get the ball up his stick skills were so good and then push it in transition so Alex is kind of filling that void of, you know, especially when teams are playing zone or other things, let's break the game open and transition. He, he actually made a play today that made me think of, of Joe, uh, who I remember last year uh, in that game against Portsmouth scored that behind the back yeah, yeah. With, uh, goal that you don't, you don't usually see that even from, from your attack or midfield, you know, with the long pole. Um, I was, you know, that was pretty impressive. Alex tried the same thing today, I think, and 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 came pretty close. And he did it in warmups too on our shooting drill. He hit one right at the end, and that's where I blew the whistle. I'm like, we're ending on that one. <laughs> like that's a that's a good one to get everybody fired up on. So yeah, it's it's nice to have, it's nice to have poles like that that we can we can trust in the transition game, to to push the ball. You know, we we give our goalie, we give Avery the green light to to push the ball up the field. Um, and really get out and, and um, when other teams are trying to sub their guys off the field we want to push the ball um, we don't we don't believe in having uh, one-way middies you know we, we believe in middies that go two ways and play both offense and defense some of it's by necessity when you're a small school <laughs> you gotta yeah your bench yeah. is small and you gotta yeah. have guys that play both ways yeah. but uh, you know and, and it's Hollis watching them um, you know I think this one will probably be one 
that's a little eye-opening for them because they've had close games throughout this year um, of what they've been they able to do. Hanover. Uh, they did a great job against Hanover. And, I watched that tape. Which and Hanover they, is yeah. looking like, you know, yeah, I, I think team. going into the week they were maybe even, I think, a top-four seed. I think they've – other teams have, have won games and passed them this week, but but they're you know, in they're the, no they're slouch. In the discussion. Yeah. yeah, they're they're definitely they're they're looking like a playoff team in D one. Yeah, so. and and uh, you know, Rich uh, Rich McDonough was saying today after the game that um, they've only had seven practices on an actual field, right? Uh, at Hollis, uh, because their field is, I think we we talked a little bit about last week at the bottom of a hill. Yeah, um, and just. They've been over to PMA a few times and stuff, but it gets expensive, you know, and and so it's uh, it's been a really really tough spring for a lot of teams. Um, And it's it's not looking any better. No, next week Friday and next week, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, It reminds me of oh god, this going back at least ten years. The the that one May where it just felt like everything for two weeks just got wiped out. You know, and soon it's going to be a battle of attrition because now teams are going to start playing two, three, four games in a row, and it's going to be like, okay, who can sur- – it's going to be survival of the fittest. Right. Like, who who can get out of those games and come out come out the healthiest, you know, and that's you, what, what teams are going to You look at teams like your, yourselves, you guys have got eight games under under you. Yeah. Pinkerton and Division One's already played nine games. I know on the girls' side, Sauhegan girls have already pl- – and BG have already played nine games yeah. this year. They're halfway done there their schedule so and granted not all the scores are up on the NHA standings but there's teams that have only played you know three four games right and all of a sudden you're looking like may gets really condensed really fast and and it's tough to fit all those games in i know during that spring i don't think i don't remember what they did for lacrosse but for baseball and softball you know they actually went to some of those schools and said you know we're either going to extend it by a weekend or we're just going to drop games yeah and push the ones that are maybe most important into that final week uh, really hope that you don't see that start to happen, but I don't think you'll see that in in lacrosse. I think I think we'll be able to make up the games. Um, you know, I, I know it's even our game against Kennett on Friday. Kennett is in that situation because unfortunately, you know, being a northern school, right? Their field one snow. They were covered in right. snow forever, and then once that melted, they haven't had a field. And then on the rain on top of that, so they've had a ton of games canceled. We were actually looking to try and move our game from Friday to Thursday, but they're already jam-packed. They couldn't fit it in this week. So if we can't do it on Friday, I don't know. We'll have to find a date later in the spring, but it's going to be tough. One other D2 question before uh, before we move on I wanted to ask you about. Um, You know, you're looking at these these two games here with with Hollis and with Portsmouth, and you guys, you know, win rather rather handedly. You look across the division, and I think we talked about in the preseason – you guys play a pretty tough schedule this year. Most of the teams that are at the top, with the exception of Dover, who at the yep. moment is also undefeated. You know, is it? I hate it's that like maybe, the year. Maybe it, it's like the year that we didn't get to play Goffstown, right? And and I, I know it's it's unfortunate that uh, the schedule didn't work out that way. Obviously, it would be great if it worked out at the end of the season that the the two of us saw each other at the end. But I, I'm telling you right now that. The Portsmouth game was a little deceiving. Their best player doesn't suit up in that game. You know, I, 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 I still believe that Portsmouth is a top team. I know Rich is a, is a very good coach, and he's going to make adjustments, and I, I believe that Hollis is going to be in there in the end of the season. And we'll see what happens with Wyndham on, on Saturday, too. I mean, you know, yes, my guys are playing very well right now, but I, I know that there's a – when it comes to the final eight, anything can happen. The last two years, St. Thomas has come into our place and given us a battle in both quarterfinal games. It's not about the regular season. It's it's who's peaking at the end of the season, and you know where where is your team at, and and can you continue to not plateau and keep getting better? So that's going to be the challenge for my guys. I I have a feeling based on our schedule and the teams we beat, 
Will we be a top four team? Most likely. Can we get our guys motivated and keep them keep them peaking in the playoffs? That'll be the challenge. I'm going to say this as strictly as a media guy who wants to see <laughs> the best possible thing. You know, if, if it's at this point right now, it's May 3rd. Uh, a lot can obviously change. I think I've looked at it in the playoffs start literally four weeks. Four weeks from today yep. is the first first round of playoff games. If this kind of holds up the way it is and you guys and Dover continue to blow up, blow out teams, um, that kind of is what I, I, me as a media person wants to see because then leading up to it, you can say, yep. what, you know, what's this going to be? There's, there's, I, I think there's a little a tri- bit of I think you'd be a terrific ma- I think you'd be a terrific matchup. They've got a great face-off guy in Cam Lent. Their, uh, their attack is phenomenal. Dom Silverio, um, they've got uh, Kalizzi and um, uh, a transfer from St. Thomas. Uh, his, br- his brother was the goaltender um, at uh, Gallipo, was uh, the goaltender there. His little brother, Sean, is, is at Dover now, too. So they've got three attackmen that are, that are just lights out that can all put the ball in the back of the net quick. Um, you know, and when they win faceoffs, um, they, they've – they can control the pace of the game. Dylan Russell, who is a tomahawk at midfield, um, their defense and goaltending strong. So, I, yeah, I mean, if that if that ended up being a matchup, whether it was in the <laughs> quarterfinals, semifinals, or finals, that would be. It, I think it would be just a, a knockdown, dragout game, and and uh, you know, it might be the team that has the ball last that wins that game. Why? Well, I, I certainly hope it's not the quarterfinals. <laughs> I hope not one either. Of, one of the two of you, something really bad. <laughs> something happened bad happened. Yeah. At yeah. this point. Um, so. You know, but I want to get to now, um, you know, the big game of what's been the last four or five yeah. years um, in the state, um, in Division One, especially, BG and Pinkerton. Uh, seems like they always play this time of year, first week of May, last week of April, somewhere in there. Uh, nice that it's been at Stellos three of the last four years because for, for me personally, I live 10 minutes away from there, so I can pretty much throwing my shoes and I'm there you know and I know it's a little bit of a home field advantage for BG but at the same <laughs> time there were a ton of Pinkerton guys there and I just think it's a much like for that game it's a cleaner game it, it showcases the two teams I think it's fantastic that it was there I don't know how much of an advantage they've won the la- they've won there the last two years <laughs> right yeah, um, yeah you know of course if uh, BG or Pinkerton excuse me winning 7-5 uh, on Monday against BG uh, a game that um, I don't want to say it was I was surprised by not because Pinkerton won, but in the way in which they won. If you'd have told me beforehand that they would shut out BG in the first half, uh, it was a two nothing game at halftime. It was it was scoreless until the last couple of minutes of the first quarter. I I, I never would have. I'm with you. I expected uh, more of like a 12-11 game right. somewhere somewhere in there where it's back and forth a little more. But um, you know you got to hand it to Coach O'Reilly and Pinkerton. It w- it was a great game plan. Um, I think he felt coming into that that he had a, an advantage in the faceoff X um, and said, you know, we're going to slow the pace of play down. We're going to control the ball on offense. We're going to limit BG's touches. Um, they did have a very good game plan against Brian Cameron. Um, Brian did get his goals. He did get some inside rolls, but Albrecht played him pretty well on defense. And, um, you know, team defensively, they did a great job of cutting down passing lanes and, and they and they helped out. Allowing. They helped out very yeah, well. Yeah, they did. Yeah. yeah. And, and Sturgis and Nett made some very was, big say. He was phenomenal early. In that first half, um, both goalies, I thought, were, yes. were playing lights out. Yeah, taking yeah. nothing away from Colin. I no. mean, it could have been – it was 2 nothing, but it could have been a lot worse at halftime. Oh, I mean, Colin been, made some yeah. incredible saves. Yeah. But so did Sturgis. You know, so it was two 
it was great. The best players in the state are stepping up and, and on a big stage and, and playing the way we expected them to. A couple, a couple of things from that that, that kind of stood out, um, to me at least, was, like we said, um, you know, Pinkerton dominated possession in that game um, to the point that it felt like BG, it, it wasn't until the third quarter that their offense really started to get in gear a little bit, you know, that they were things that had maybe should have happened in the first quarter weren't happening until after halftime. Yeah. Um, and you look at, at Sur- you know, as we were saying, Sturgis had a great game. He had 11 saves. He finished with 12 saves. 11 of those were in the first right, half. Right, uh, You know, so the opportunities just were not there. Yeah. But when they were there, they were finding ways to capitalize on them. I think it was a little bit of a chess match in the first half. It was it was O'Reilly and Cameron looking at each other and, you know, O'Reilly saying, "Yep, we're going to slow down. Come out, come out and get us. Come out and come out and play us. Take, you know, take the ball away from us." And, you know, how much did BG want to play that game where, okay, we it's a risk reward. We come out, we pressure the ball, we try and take it away, but if we miss, uh, you know, now we're extended and all of a sudden, you know, it's not like Pinkerton's mid-years are attacking aren't good. They're going to put the ball in the back of the net if you extend out too far and you don't take the ball away. So the, it was a tough. It was a tough situation for BG on uh, the uh, the terrifying thing maybe for the rest of Division One. I. I know. I know Chris has said, you know, the bulk of his offensive talent they're juniors, so they'll all be next back yeah. next year. You look at Pinkerton, and holy crap, you've got Osier who is probably the most experienced out of those guys, and he's a sophomore. Chad Tereski. And then, then the other three yep. big guys are are freshmen. Right. It's just it, it, it's it's amazing that that those it's gonna guys be an arms race over in. the yeah. next three oh, yeah. four years yeah. with those two teams. They're gonna be they're gonna be button heads. You know, not that it's been any different, but you know, it's it is pretty neat to see that. Wow, look at all the look at all the young talent on both of those teams, and how they're just gonna it's gonna be the same thing. They're gonna keep battling back within back and forth with each other. One one tidbit that I wanted to share that I wasn't able to get into the story that I wrote that was up on uh, nh highschoolsportscom uh, today was that uh, from that game, you know, midway through the fourth quarter, you know, Pinkerton's kind of, they're, they're maintaining possession, but they're kind of slowing down a little bit. They weren't yeah. getting a lot of shots. They weren't really looking for shots. Um, they I think it, it was a fast break opportunity that, you know, Coach O'Reilly's over on the sidelines yelling at them to go to the cage, go, go. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it wasn't there. He started yelling, not now, not now. The officials... <laughs> who usually sometimes can't hear those, thought he was saying timeout, gave yeah. him a timeout. And I, what I thought was amusing was that after they decided, well, no, there was no timeout called, he just looked at his attack and said, let's run the play where we find the back of the net. And I really, I thought that was funny. I thought that that's really all they needed for the timeout. Like, he didn't have to go over. It wasn't right. complicated. They yeah. were getting what they wanted. At, you know, they just had to actually, you know, have the confidence to shoot. Right. And it's it was also it was about finding the right matchup too. They were you know a lot of that game was it was a chess match of finding okay you know every all of those guys have have four or five you know guys that can all play really good defense and it's like okay where is that matchup that we can we can exploit and go one on one against and a couple times I think Pinkerton was able to break that down. Um, you know, I think Mason Druin had a couple that, you know, matched up well and, and was able to beat his guy and get underneath, and, and the slide just wasn't there. And so they did that a couple times, and it, it, that's all they needed. And um, once they got a three- or four-goal lead, 
uh, never got to four, did it? it was I think it was like it was two or three, three at one point, but yeah. it was two most of the second. Yeah, half. and yeah. so yeah. and so once they got that, it was it was like okay, we're gonna slow it down, and we don't need to take chances, right? If we keep the ball away from BG, they can't they can't go because you could see a couple times how quickly BG could score. I mean, Johnny Bruno goes down the side, rips a goal. Right. Well, they, um, they, it was two nothing. McGinnis at the end of the right. game. McGinnis, uh, you know, Grant, you can say it was at the end of the game, but he scored pretty he quick. Scored, it was quick. You know, like it it enough was that it was still kind of, right. okay, like maybe. Right, they pop a face-off, yeah, yeah. you know, maybe there's something and they, there. they did it right out of halftime. They yep. scored the first goal 20 seconds into the second half and then tied it up, I think, two minutes in. <coughs> yeah, um, so I think just taking BG out of a rhythm and, and not allowing them to play fast was there. And, and you know, we talked last week one of the keys was going to be clearing the ball. And, and again, Pinkerton did a fantastic job on the ride. And, um, you know, there was some uncharacteristic turnovers um, that, that I think BG will clean up for the playoffs. Um, you know, losing this game last year for them kind of, kind of spurred things and got them going, you know. So. Well, I, you know, in, in, in looking at, at the kind of the history of the last few years, um, Looking at, you know, they've met in the finals, I believe, the last four years in a row and five of the last six. Uh, that one year in between, they played in the semifinals. Um, I threw that one out because it wasn't a final. But if you look at those other years, so we're talking 20, um, 2011 and then 2014 through 2016. Every year except for 2014, the team that won in the, the regular, regular season, season lost yeah. in the final. Uh, and the only one that was different was that 2014 BG team that was just it's all about it's all about adjustments and who makes adjustments going into the playoffs and you know so Pinkerton kind of showed their formula for winning against BG and now it's you know uh, that'll be interesting to see how how uh, coach Cameron and coach Salch combat that you know obviously the one piece that you know I if people were there noticed is that you know Trey Ham was not facing off for them that that adds a dimension come playoff time. You know, I think he'll be he'll be ready to go at that point, and, and they're expecting him to be back in the lineup. So as long as he's facing off well, that's a whole different that that changes the complexion of that game. Uh, you know, looking at the the rest of the division, and uh, and we saw an interesting score um, there today with BG beating Londonderry 13-11. That was a a twelve what do we say a twelve three game going into that fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, you know, not to say that maybe that's not indicative of what kind of game it was, the final score there. But is there, you know, between Londonderry and Bedford, I know they've had some issues with, you know, some kids getting suspended for hockey tournaments and all that. Right. Um, you know, when you look at Concord and Hanover and Sauhegan, I know Sauhegan lost to both of them last week. Um, is there anybody that could maybe give them a scare, either one of those teams a scare? Well, without without really talking to Coach Cameron or Coach Salch and knowing kind of how how indicative that score was of the game, um, you know, I, I I do need to see Bedford play play uh, Pinkerton and BG, you know, Exeter, Sauhegan. You know, I, I think BG played Sauhegan and it was fairly comfortable in the win there. Um, you know, but the, the the biggest thing is a BG and a Pinkerton have targets on their back every single week, right? So that's a tough thing for kids. They've got, I know my kids go through that on a regular basis where if you're having a bad day or, you know, you've had two or three tests and, and your girlfriend's angry at you or whatever and your head's not into it and you get too many of those guys whose right. heads aren't yep. into it, then yeah, all of a sudden you're going to find yourself, anything can happen. And, um, but I think we talked about it in the beginning. Of the day. I think clearly in any, any of those coaches that you talked about would agree, Pinkerton and BG clearly have the depth and the talent that separate them from that group. 
would it shock me if someone knocked them off? I, I think it actually would, um, just yeah. based on that. But that doesn't mean that people aren't going to come after them every <laughs> single week. So they got to be ready. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we'll, we'll find out a little bit more coming up soon. Londonderry is supposed to play Pinkerton on Friday. Yeah. Uh, that might, I, I don't know, that might get washed out. Um, you know, and then Londonderry has Bedford on Monday, too. Yeah. Which they've, they've got a pretty tough stretch coming up. Um, hoping to make it out to uh, at least one of those two games. If, if assuming yeah, I'm, I'm interested up. to see how Bedford progresses over the next couple of weeks. Now that they've got all their guys back, and um, you know that'll that'll be interesting. So, you know, looking out, looking now at um, I know we didn't, we haven't said much about Division Three, but just uh, you know, pulling up the standings right now. You know, you you and I were both I think pretty high on on Kearsarge uh, and Hopkinton both coming into the year. So we just, and, uh, just, we just an interesting look at result that today that Hopkinton yeah. had a, a pretty sound win over Kearsarge who, you know, uh, without knowing if there's injuries or anything else involved, that tells me that Hopkinton's a darn good team. Kearsarge plays Merrimack Valley who, you know, on the Division Two side, people were, were chatting about in the beginning of the season. They, uh, Kearsarge beats them. Uh, I want to say it was 13-12, and then Hopkinton turns around and beats Kearsarge today 14-6. So that's that's a pretty impressive score right there. That tells me that Hopkinton is m- looks looking like the front runners right now, that they're, they've got something going up there. Yeah, that may be, um, you know, you look at the rest of the standings and assuming <laughs> assuming they're somewhat accurate, I mean, it's kind of a, a dogfight for, you know, the rest of the, the, not that anybody's, you know, not that. I was that looking at Pelham for a little while, and then all of a sudden they get beat by Plymouth the other day. Plymouth got beat by somebody else, you know, so it, it looks like, you know, I, I think that top four is pretty accurate. I think Hopkinson, Kearsarge, Plymouth, and, and Pelham all look to be the guy. Laconia, I think, is still in the mix, but, you know, I think gra- obviously graduation hit them hard last year. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's starting to shake out a little bit in D3. Yeah, and then as we talked about last week, you have Milford right in the middle of all of it, which it's nice to see yeah. them. I'm getting another, they got another win. I can't remember who they beat the the other day, but they got another win the other day. Um, but yeah, it's nice nice to see Coach Erda still getting still getting uh, the best. Uh, out they of held his kids. they beat uh, Co Brown the other day. Played Bishop Brady today, or were supposed to play Bishop Brady today. Um, but you know, we'll see that result probably yep. come in in the next uh, little while here. But I guess coming up this week, um, obviously you guys. As you said, have the game uh, against Kennett, uh, and then Wyndham on Saturday. Uh, anything else that kind of stands out to you over the the next couple of days, week or so in the in the schedule? Uh, Dover Wyndham play mm-hmm. tomorrow. That'll be a big one. Kind of see, um, you know, that'll uh, you know, I, I'm sure Wyndham's looking at these next two games and saying, hey, let's go, let's go show everybody what we can do. Um, they had, uh, you know, again, I haven't talked to Jason yet, but they, looking at the score, they had a fairly tight one with Oyster River today. That I want to say it was a th- two or three goal win, um, and I don't know exactly where that was played, but they, they run the gauntlet, so we knew, you know, Jason and I had talked. Oyster River's a, a much improved team this year, so they had to play them. They played Dover tomorrow. Chances are nobody's going to play or practice on Friday, and then they turn around and play us on Saturday, so. It would just figure, you uh, know, the way this week has worked out with my schedule, I get other stuff going on outside of outside of the, the high school sports realm that you know I, stuck inside yesterday not able to go to a game if friday gets washed out <laughs> I, you know it's just gonna inside. be just gonna yeah. be really aggravated uh, but you, you never know, know. weathermen are only right 50 percent of the time um, anyway if so. even that right yeah <laughs> um you know i i um i'm interested to see i, I think as we we're kind of saying just what kind of separation there is over the night you know what games are able to get in 
who kind of rises. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I think you were alluding to, too, there's some team really good teams that have had to go through a tough stretch to start their season. You know, can they bounce back and get up? You know, Goffstown, Goffstown has started slow, but they are coming on. Uh, they lost by two to Merrimack Valley right, today. Right. Um, they were up. They were up on Valley, too. And, you know, I talked to Sean O'Brien after the game, and he was really impressed with, with, with what Coach Lewis has done out there and the, the talent they have. They're, they're Peyton Bickford it, it got it done in the faceoff X again today. Huge weapon for them. So, um, you know, that's a team that I think is going to continue to get better as the season goes on. Of course, uh, you can always check out the uh, coaches' poll on every every Tuesday. That'll be posted Tuesday morning. That'll be posted. Of course, uh, with still Pinkerton's really tough to pick it. Pick uh, three through ten yeah, is really tough. You right know, now. I I've had, I, I w- with the exception of Pinkerton and BG flip flopping this year, I've had the same three teams in my top three all year because I've had you guys at number three all year, and I think you've now moved up to that spot with uh, with Bedford dropping a couple games. Londonderry dropping a couple games, but you're right. There's there's a group of. Uh, I, I think you can make teams, an argument yeah. for three through ten. I think there's a, a pretty good argument for most of the teams in that in that that slot in there that anybody could be in there. The other so. thing you kind of see too was I think those first couple of weeks there were like six or seven teams getting votes that weren't in the top ten but were were still yeah. receiving votes, and now I think that's dropped to three or four the last couple of weeks. Yeah. So as we kind of figure out you know who's where. Uh, coaches are, coaches co- are yeah, seeing, yeah, yeah, more more in agreement, more in alignment there. Yeah, so you can check out uh, next week's uh, New Hampshire Boys Lacrosse Coaches Poll uh, at nh-highschoolsports.com on Tuesday. Uh, we'll have a couple other things coming up um, next week, assuming that games get played. That's uh, always, I guess, a big if. Uh, you'll also notice that we started the last couple of weeks of taking a look at uh, the playoff pictures in all sports, uh, lacrosse, baseball, and softball, uh, you know, the mem- that's available to members if you want to sign up for membership. Uh, you know, just click on the link at the top that says membership, sign on up. Well worth it. You won't find it on the NHIA website. And, uh, Joe, I can't <laughs> believe you do a lot of math there, man. It's it's pretty accurate, uh, and uh, it's very accurate, and I am not a math person, so <laughs> if you do find something wrong, uh, please let me know, but I think I think I I've got yet. it mostly it looks, it mostly looks right. Um, some of these tiebreakers are pretty interesting when you get down into them. Uh, also, uh, if you want to check out the uh, my uh, the Twitter uh, page a little bit later this week, uh, NHHS Sports, uh, I'm going to be putting a poll up there, uh, trying to decide if uh, people would be interested or find out if people would be interested in uh, a lacrosse yearbook. Uh, at the end of the season, kind of like we did for football, kind of like we did for basketball, uh, basically just a roundup of all the stories and photos from uh, the season that you can get in print. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Hopefully that'll be coming. Uh, so for Coach Hetler, I want to thank you once again for uh, rushing on down here to join me. Uh, it's always a pleasure. Love to uh, love to give a shout out to the the Riverside Tavern, Riverside Tavern here in uh, Barbecue. It's been it's this place is fantastic. If you haven't tried it out yet, you should come on down and uh, try out the great pulled pork last week. It was yeah, fantastic. we'll have to, we'll have to get <laughs> Dave, Dave to jump in and join us uh, maybe next week. Uh, but uh, once again, thanks, Coach, and uh, this thanks is Joe Marcellina. Uh, thank you for listening. <laughs>